are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Second Wind Dreams, and Carol Polino. 
she is the unit manager at Atlanta Regional Commission. So welcome to all of our guests. We're so excited that you're here with us today, and we truly appreciate you being here. And so before I begin my questions, I just, again, want the opportunity to make sure our listeners can call in, and that's at 347-324-5246, and press 1 to ask a question. Okay. Please listen for the last four digits of your number, and then you can ask your question. So I'm going to start with Enan. Can you please provide a brief background of yourself and your current work? Okay. Thank you, Michelle, for having me again, and thank you for those stats. And thank you for um, uh, talking, especially allowing me this um, platform to talk about hospice. Hospice is my passion. It's my baby. And we just don't have enough information out there, or the public is just not aware of um, the benefits of hospice. Um, as you said, my name is Enid Wright. I'm the um, founder and administrator of Sovereign Hospice. I am a registered nurse. I have been in, a nurse for over 40 years, and I've been in the hospice and home health arena for almost 20 years. Um, I love, as I said, I love hospice, and I love nursing, and that's why I do it with a, with a passion. I love to take care of families, and I also love to educate. There, as I said before, there's not enough education about hospice. When people hear the word hospice, they panic, they are afraid, they think somebody is going to die immediately. But sometimes mm-hmm. we have to let the public know that it's another level of care. It's taking mm-hmm. care of somebody in their last days. And so that is my passion, and that is what I like to tell people about. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And PK? Yeah, I'm PK Bevel. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I'm founder of Second Wind Dreams. I also created a training program called the Virtual Dementia Tour, to help sensitize people to what it might be like to have dementia so that we can serve them better. But, Michelle, I love the name of this hour, Empowerment Hour. I tell you, so many times we feel so hopeless and helpless, Mm -hmm. not only as caregivers, but even as professionals. Um, You know, we're trying so hard to meet these these needs of the people that we love uh, at. We've been around 25 years, Second Wind Dreams has. Um, This is our 25th anniversary. The Virtual Dementia Tour is in 20 countries. Uh, A little over 3 million people have experienced the tour, which allows people to walk in the shoes of their loved one. And I think, of course, as with anything, the, you know, Empowerment Hour, it empowers you really look at say, okay, here's why they're doing that. And in fact, I just did that during the tour. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited that you all are here to share this experience as well. I know it's made such an impact in so many people's lives when they just experience that virtual dementia tour. I see such an array of emotions from just that experience and how it changes their life and their relationship with the person who has dementia. So thank you. Thank you. Gwen. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for having me. Um, obviously, I work with P.K. Bevel at Second Wind Dreams, and um, P. 
PK really did a beautiful job of explaining what we do, but we also have a program called the Dreams Program. Um, that, with our dementia education, really helps us to help the public better understand that aging is happening to all of us if we're lucky, um, and the perception of aging um, being an end and not having choices is really not correct. Um, even our sleeping dreamers, those who we fulfill dreams for who are living with dementia, really brighten up, engage in the moment, and participate in their dream. And we have individuals who have always wanted to do X, Y, or Z, whether it's play with kittens or jump out of an airplane. <laughs> and we work with community partners, we work with volunteers, and create a community, whether it's through the Dreams Program or the Virtual Dementia Tour, we create a community of understanding around the older adult. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Jumping out of an airplane, I love it. Wow. <laughs> Anything is possible. That's right. I love it. All right. Thank you, Gwyneth. And Kara, can you introduce yourself? Sure. I am Kara Polino. I have um, a background in intellectual and developmental disabilities. And in 2007, I had an opportunity to um, work at the Atlanta Regional Commission on a grant. And the grant was to um, implement uh, develop and implement a consumer-directed program, the first non-Medicaid consumer-directed program in Georgia, um, with the goal of preventing or delaying nursing home placement. And that was my first step into the aging network, and I loved it, and I've been there ever since. I've worked at another area agency on aging, and now I'm back at the Atlanta Regional Commission as the Access um, to Services Unit Manager, and that really is... Um, a lot of what we're talking about tonight, how caregivers come and get help. So it's it's the aging and disability resource connection, information and referral counselors, um, the intake for the elderly and disabled waiver program. So um, when you think about services, information and resources, those are the programs that I oversee. Awesome. That's wonderful. You know, and um, that's a number that I get about all out often is that empowerment line. It's easy to remember, and it kind of covers all the bases for what people would need services for, right? The empower, empower line, yes. exactly. Yes. So let, can you give that number? Because we'll mention that a couple of times, because I just think it's such a great resource for people. Yes, it is 404-463-3333. Um, and I do just want to say we are extremely popular now. We've had a big spike in calls. <laughs> Um, we are worth the wait. I promise you, if you call and leave us a message, we will get back in a few days. Um, we, I, have to, I have to tell you, it's, I know people call and we want to help you as quickly as we can, but because we take our time with everyone that calls, um, it, it might take a few days for us to get back. So be patient and, and please give us a call or visit um, empowerline.org. Awesome. And so just briefly, um, you know, we just kind of talked about what each of you all do kind of independently. And so um, this is kind of a two-part question. Um, one is sometimes there, there are incidents in what we do in our careers that kind of change what we do and how we do it. Um, is there experience that you've had with 
um, a client, a family, the community that motivates you to continue to do what you do, that motivates you to continue to want to teach people about hospice and get rid of those rumors, to want to be able to help others to understand dementia and experience that, to want to provide all the resources in one spot that the the citizens of Georgia can utilize appropriately. So, Enan, I'm going to start with you if you want to share that experience. Oh, there are so many. (laughs) (laughs) I can always pull one out of my hat at any given time. Um, I've had, um, but I remember um, one particular family who I went, um, who came home from the hospital and I went to admit and I did the admission and the pronouncement within the space of a couple of hours. And it was, um, it was very, a very sad situation because at the end of it all, the, um, the, care, the family caregiver, who was the daughter, she, um, when everything was done and the, the, the body was taken away and I spent Quite, quite a few hours at home and just sat with her and held her hand. And she just um, cried and cried and said she wished and she wished she had known about hospice and she wished she had done something better and she wished, and it was all wishing and wishing and wishing she mm-hmm. had done differently. And this is why I said there's so much um, education that's needed and um, and this is what makes me want to do it, do hospice more, and makes me want to educate more, because people hear hospice, and um, this situation that that situation also let you know let people afraid and thinking hospice is the patient is dying right away. But the reason that happened was because of a delayed decision by a family member. So if we can get the information out there in time and get educate get the public educated, then we won't we won't end up with situations like what happened with that particular family member. Right, and you know, so many times I I find that there are families who are on hospice for months and even years, um, and I always say that sometimes it has. Um, so many resources that that allows you to support yourself and your family, um, and, and it's it's a support of a quality of life, right? Not just a quantity, mm-hmm. but a quality of mm-hmm. life. And I exactly. believe that's what hospice does when you engage. And we just have yes. to get rid of that myth that it's just an instant death sentence, and someone is just pushing morphine, and that's mm-hmm. that's the last of what it is. It's just comfort exactly. and and a peaceful transition for everybody, not only the person who's passing, but the loved ones who are left, right? We all have to go exactly. through this together. And so that's that's what I respect about hospice, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank Michelle. you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and PK, can you um, share your experience? Yeah. Yes, and to follow what Enid was just saying about the I wish, I wish, I wish, um, that is one of the things that we hear when a family comes through the virtual dementia tour, I wish I had known. Um, Because so frequently when they go through the tour, they want to know what's happening with their loved one, and they want to understand it. And once they go through, the light bulb goes off. 
and um, I wish I had known. The other one that keeps me going, and I'm sure the rest of our team and Gwyneth, um, is when a family comes out and they're so thirsty for knowledge that they just need to know why is mother wandering in the middle of the night? What can I do when she's doing that? They want specific, pragmatic approaches. And the, the great thing is that that's easier to do once they've experienced what it would be like to be wandering aimlessly, not understanding what's going on. Um, you know, that keeps me coming back for more. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get tired of, get tired of serving families that way. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. And Gwyneth? So mine is a little, mine is historical. (laughs) The reason that I'm here um, is that I was lucky enough to, at different times in my childhood, live next door to some amazing older adults, a retired librarian who moved from Hawaii to Michigan. And I don't know why one would do that, but she did. (laughs) Um, And she would let me read in her basement and touch all the books. She had a whole library down there. Um, And then another um, neighbor, uh, the wife of a geneticist at the University of Michigan, um, Mm. was living with dementia. And from time to time, when my dad would need to go out, I would go next door and stay with her. Um, And I knew that she would not know things from time to time. But I always felt loved and safe. And my comfort level is high for that reason. And it's motivated me to move through my career the way that I have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yes, it's surprising how we connect the dots once we get older about what happened in our youth. And they, it all comes full circle, right? Absolutely. Um, Kara, you want to share an experience? Yeah, I will say that um, generally speaking, two things always seem to strike me about caregivers. One is how many of them don't identify as caregivers. Mm. And two is how many caregivers actually uh, fall in the category of needing caregiving themselves. Um, And I'm I'm torn between telling two stories, but the the one I had gone out to um, visit a family to enroll in a consumer-directed program and There was a house up front, a a newer, well-kept house, and then there was a little like a a very, almost a shack in the back, and they said, come to the back. And that was the little home where this man had, um, he was born, his parents were born, it was a family home. Um, It was, to say it wasn't fancy is an overstatement, but he, his wish was to stay in that home. He didn't want to move into the kid's home right in front of his house, he wanted to stay there. They had moved um, a hospital bed into the dining room, and three generations were taking care of him around the clock. They didn't; they were eligible for um, Medicaid waiver services. They were eligible for other home services. They felt that they they took pride in caring for their their husband, their father, their grandfather. Um, they took reduced employment to care for him. Mm-hmm. Um, their school was interrupted to care for him. And it just struck me the love, the grace that they gave him, um, honoring his wishes and the sacrifices that caregivers make. You know, and that's a, a, a story that we hear so often that they just don't know where to start. 
and mm-hmm. and so they just they just deal with whatever's in front of them, right? And so it was okay. so many resources that you just mentioned that were available, but they just didn't know where to go and where to start. And so that's why we hope this show is heard and helpful to others in, in order to know where to go and what to do and maybe what questions to even ask. And so I have some questions coming directly to me, so I'm going to go ahead and, and ask those. But I'm also going to remind for folks who want to call in, the number is 347 324 5246, and you press 1 to ask a question. Again, that number is 347-324-5246. And so, Kara, that first question is going to go to you. And the the question um, is, where do I start? You know, I'm, I'm acutely th- thrown into this situation. Um, I'm a single parent. Um, and it's actually, or I'm a single child because often they're just the only child and they have parent, parent who are taken care of. Um, I have to work. I have kids. Um, and where do I begin? I would tell everyone, if you know what you're looking for, if you don't know what you're looking for, if you're wondering what's available, call your local area agency on aging for the 10-county metro Atlanta region that is the Atlanta Regional Commission's Aging and Independent Services, every single county in every single state has um, an area agency on aging. Um, For people out of state, if they are caring for people out of state, um, if people go to eldercare.acl for um, administration for community living, eldercare.acl.gov, or call 1-800-677-1116, they can find the area agency on aging that serves their loved one's area anywhere in the United States. Um, If you call the area agency on aging, you will um, speak with a certified information resource counselor. They will give you resources. Some people call us, they need um, emergency financial. Maybe they've been caring for their loved ones, they've gone through their own retirement, now they're needing some help. Um, they're looking for caregiver programs. They are looking for help. They're elderly themselves. They're aging. Um, they have chronic conditions. They're caring for other people who are older adults with chronic conditions, and they're struggling, and they want to do it, and they love them, and they want to help. Um, call and see what is available. There are services that are directly available to take um, the place of the caregiver, um, and by that I mean, you know, if the caregiver is struggling with um bathing their loved one, uh, meal preparation, uh, going out of the house, housekeeping. Mm -hmm. There are services that will come in um, into the home to do those things. Respite, adult day health for respite out of the home. Um, There are also a lot of support groups. There are caregiver programs. If you call the Area Agency on Aging, they're going to give you an overview of what might be appropriate, what based on your needs and preferences and, of course, eligibility. So there are mm-hmm. non-Medicaid programs, there are Medicaid programs, and, of course, there are private pay options. Absolutely. That's great. That is a great place to start. And so I see we have um, a couple of calls. So uh, this is for the caller. Um, last four numbers are 2219. Um, 2219, you can just press 1. And ask your question. You can let us know who it's directed to. Good evening. Um, I'm calling from Chicago. Hi, Chicago. How are you? 
Um, I'm, I have a question regarding dementia. Um, I personally am in my 50s, and I know that at times, you know, I forget things. But how do you, um, when you're working with your parents um, and noticing um, that they're, you know, they're um, forgetting things or um, misplacing things, at what point um, is it appropriate to to seek help to do testing? I'll turn that over to PK and, and Gwyneth. It's always scary to get an assessment, and sometimes it's really hard for your loved one to acquiesce to getting an assessment. If you're concerned and, you know, not necessarily even to voice it, is to go ahead and get a full physical. They just they need a physical just anyway. And sometimes that can go ahead and open the door. And I know that for older adults, good your your family practitioner will give a mini mental state or a mental exam, a very brief, not in depth, but a brief one. There are some issues that are happening that need further explanation. Going that route is sometimes a little more palatable, well, good grief, um, (laughs) to do than going, um, you know, than saying, you know what, Dad, I think, you know, you need to see somebody because I'm not sure, you know, your mental health is good. So, So could you consider that as a possibility? And the sooner the better, actually, to be honest. Thank you. Yes, um, I I have a little bit of concern because I don't live in the same as my as my mother, and so um, I, I have a sister that's local um, with her. So it's um, it's a it's a little tricky with trying to to even say that because you know she has other health concerns and she goes to the doctor. Um, and so she doesn't necessarily share everything, so it would be I'd have to go home and go to the doctor with her or something like that. And, I, again, I don't know how receptive, um, if that time came, she would be. You know, if there was ever anyone who says that there is a normal family out there, I would just be absolutely thrilled to be able to see one. I have yet to. I've been serving families since 1983, and I have yet to see a functional family. So what you're experiencing, my love, is exactly what, um, you know, most of us that are long-distance caregivers have to experience. We're looking at things from a different angle, and sometimes your sister is probably defensive if you have anything to say that might um, – usurp her power in the situation. So, um, you know, you're going to have to tread with with kid gloves, and it may take a trip over there and um, help that that you're seeing. But the truth of the matter is that if the loved one, if your, your mother is already seeing a physician, there is absolutely nothing wrong with you calling that physician as the daughter and saying, I have some concerns. Would you check into this a little more deeply? You don't need to go over that with anybody else. <laughs> you know, you're worried about your mother. And, right. um, you know, that might give you a good, so sorry you're having to deal with this. It's so hard. Yes, yes. And, and I think Kara wanted to 
um, add to that as well. I did, thank you. And this is speaking really what PK was talking about, but a lot of people don't know and a lot of doctors don't know, which is what is so frustrating. But um, once you have Medicare, you can actually request what's called an annual wellness visit. This is different than your annual physical. And and it's paid for by Medicare, 100%. This, um, they'll check height, weight, um, you know, blood pressure, things like that. But they'll also check um, your level of functioning, your ability to bathe, stand, bend over, uh, risk factors such as falls. And then they'll also do a little cognitive test. And if someone is hesitant, if someone, a family member is afraid to say, oh, I think my loved one is, is starting to be forgetful, I tell people, I, I, as soon as you get that, it's a benefit that comes with Medicare, um, and you, it's good to have a baseline. Even if someone has no impairment right now, they have Medicare, they go annually for that visit that's covered, they will have a baseline and that doctor will know. But um, you often, especially, I hate to say in Georgia, I don't know how other states are, um, we have a Georgia memory net. We have what are called memory assessment clinics. But a lot of the physicians are not still familiar with the annual wellness visit that if that cognitive impairment triggers enough, they would make a referral to the memory assessment clinic. So at the very least, if you ask that, you will have a baseline. And then we also get calls where, where memory seems, uh, behavior is uh, very strange all of a sudden. And I always want to tell people when that happens, what we usually tell people is or suggest is that they may want to go to their primary care doctor again because so many times it's something as simple as a urinary tract infection that mm -hmm. when you see an immediate change, not necessarily a progressive <clears throat> change, but to rule, to rule those other things out. So I just wanted to add to what PK said um, and to specifically ask for the wellness visit because sometimes they, they just think it's the physical. Yeah, great, awesome. Thank answer. you so much. This is very helpful. Have a good day. Yes, break. thank you, you Chicago. Too. That was a great, great question. Thank you. Thank you. All right, it looks we have another caller on. Um, last four digits are one five two nine. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Oh. Yes. Oh, great. Um, I am calling. It's a dementia question. This is Phyllis. I am in Dallas. And I wanted to know what the best practices are for a caregiver to calm a family member who is episodic. So they are agitated, irritated, and aggressive. That you, what would be a best practice to calm that person? Mm. Gwyneth, I'll let you start with that one. Okay. I always defer to PK, but I am happy okay, to with go. Okay, well, PK. <laughs> um, I think one thing to start with is to understand that um, when an episode, as you, as you were calling it, happens, that it is a form of communication and working to understand what has happened or the situation um, that your loved one feels they're in that is causing this. Um, sometimes it could be that we haven't heard them um, and it may be that they're communicating with us in, with us in a nonverbal manner. So taking the time and then look at your environment. Is it too loud? Is it too dark? Making sure that they're in the most comfortable setting they can be in, and then um, and then walking your way through with verbal and nonverbal communications. PK, did you want to add? Sure, sure. 
<laughs> of course I do. Um, <laughs> can you give me a specific example, please? Well, this is an, an example of, and I'm at a, a distance from the person, so it, be a, it could be a conversation that the conversation just switches in um, while talking to the person or trying to help them to understand something. So I am not physically there, but you, I can tell uh-huh. in the conversation that either the conversation abruptly ends or they just say, okay, I, I don't want to deal with that today. Okay. Um, well, you know, not knowing the level of functioning of your of your loved one, it's hard for me to be specific. But let me just lay a couple of ideas on you. Okay, when well, a person, person living, I, okay, I was go say, ahead. The no, person go ahead. Is still, still functioning. They pay bill. They pay their own bills, and they still are living on their own. However, there are some uh-huh. signs that I can just witness in our conversation. And so they're still functioning, living on their own, paying bills. It's just that over the years, I can see there's some deterioration. Sure. Um, well, I would probably um, go back to what we were just talking about a moment ago and get that, um, get a, an assessment from the primary care or from um, the uh, wellness check just to see if there are any red flags. But to me, so often when people appear to be, quote, losing it um, or not feeling um, uh, with it on the phone especially is because if there's a little bit of dementia going on, you remove the aspect of the person that you're actually looking at when you're talking to them. And that makes that creates uh, almost another problem. So they can't really pick up on your cues, your visual cues. They can pick up on your verbal cues. And if there is a a topic that they're not comfortable with or a topic that is um, they're not understanding or following well, they will go ahead and change the subject and move on to something else. The problem becomes if we try to bring them back to that topic. They've made it clear. They're done with that topic. To say, well, now, wait a minute, just a minute ago, we were just talking about, you know, blah, 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 and they could even deny the conversation. You know, we weren't. No, I don't know. I don't know what you're, no. So if I were you during those conversations, I would probably try to go with either Skype or FaceTime and get a good visual picture of what's actually going on. And um, if agitation happens, going to be able to get a better feel for um, what is really happening. Are they not following you? Are they having trouble comprehending what you're saying? Are they, uh, um, you know, even like when I said about the environment, um, if a phone rings in the background or something else happens in the room, so frequently a person that's living with some confusion starts to focus on that and can't focus on the conversation. So, see, there's a lot of variables that have to do with uh, conversation to to consider. Well, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That was helpful, especially the um, Skype or FaceTime, trying to see the person. Thank you. Yes. Now, keep in mind, too, that when you try that, 
when you try to FaceTime, sometimes it's hard for a person with dementia, if, if that's what's going on, even though this person's functional, to figure out how to make that whole thing work. So FaceTime's a little bit easier than Zoom. If you can help them get to the um, FaceTime, that would be the easiest way for you to do that, my dear. Okay, thank you. You're so welcome. From a question, Dallas. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. So it looks like we have some people in the queue, but just remember you have to press 1. So, again, the number is 347-324-5246, and then you press 1. So I have a question that I received. Um, Let's see. What are some, some signs to look for that would indicate that additional assistance is actually needed, and how soon should one seek such assistance? And so, um, Enid, I'm going to ask you that from a hospice perspective. Okay. So um, could you repeat what, when you said what assistance? So what are some signs to look out that, to look out for that would indicate additional assistance is actually needed, and how soon should someone seek assistance? So I'm going to place that on, on hospice, and how soon should they seek that assistance? Okay. So um, usually, um, if a, if a person, um, if they're, we always said if the person's condition is changing or the, um, or they're um, declining, and it all depends on the hospice diagnosis. Hospice diagnosis can be varied. Um, it can be, let me go back to say, people always think that somebody has to have cancer to be on hospice, and certainly not. It's, you can have heart disease. You can have um, Alzheimer's. You can have kidney disease. Um, um, any of those um, conditions. We usually look for if the person has been having multiple um, admissions to the hospital, and every time they go to the hospital, they come back, they are sicker or they are weaker. The person is losing weight. They are not eating. They are eating less. They are sleeping more. Those are things that you start looking, you start um looking at, and um, every time that they visit their um, physician. Now, not all physicians are, um, are, are, are on the up and up with hospice, where hospice is concerned, because there are some physicians who don't um, wait a long time, too, to, to, um, to refer their patients. But any... Um, sign that 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 person is not doing as well as they were, say, six months ago or three months ago, and you notice that their condition is is changing, any of the things that I have mentioned before, then you want to speak to the doctor or talk to their doctor. And you don't have to wait for your doctor to tell you that the patient needs to be in hospice. You can always call a hospice um, doctor agency, and, uh, and somebody will come out and assess the patient and go over and talk to you, and, um, and then we can get in touch with the doctor and see if, if there are um, issues that that person has and if they are hospice eligible. 
Okay, so that's a good point. So you do not, uh, an order is not required for a hospice assessment to be done. No, you okay. don't have to have an order to have a hospice assessment. If the, if the family or the patient has a, has a condition or a, or a diagnosis and they wish to be on hospice, we can go out and do the assessment. And if the patient is eligible, then the medical director can write that order. Okay. That's great to know. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, you know, time has flown by. <laughs> We're on the latter part of the hour. I cannot believe that it has flown by. <laughs> and so um, we'll see if we can take maybe one more question, if we can get folks into the queue. So while we wait, I do want to ask each of you to answer um, and provide two recommendations that you would like to provide to our audience that would impact their caregiving caregiving journey immediately. So, Kara, I'm going to start with you. Um, I would say please take care of yourself first. I know it's probably the last thing you're thinking about, but please take care of yourself. No, you're not alone. There are a lot of emotions that come with caregiving, even if you love that person, you care about them. There's also grief that comes with that. So take time for yourself. Um, call your area agency and agency. See what services are out there for you if there are support groups. Um, and then the other thing I would say is talk to the person you're caring for now, whatever stage it is. Talk to them now. See what See what they want now, see what they need and what they want, and then what they're thinking about for the future. Um, sometimes people don't have those conversations. They're hard to have sometimes. Um, but this, I mean, Gwyneth and, and PK do this. They help people live out those dreams. So talk to your loved ones and help them help them really live uh, while you still can. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So, PK, I'll ask you to go next. Sure. Um, what Kara said, <clears throat> she's exactly, you know, I, I echo that tremendously. Um, but I would like to add, take a few minutes and just watch your loved one. Just watch. Just take a beat. Watch where they dwell. Watch what they're doing. Try to spend a minute getting into their mindset. Try to view the world from their perspective. Um, I think so often we have a tendency to experience. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. I mean, they have to rely on us to do a good, good many things. But we have to empower them, too. So um, I think you will find yourself in a completely different place and I don't recommend you do it just once, but if you could do it on a regular basis, especially when things are tough, just pull up a chair in the background, observe your loved one, um, your brain will be in a different place. Brain plasticity has a lot to do with it, and your brain is the valuable commodity here. And that inward look will will make a huge difference. Mm. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. Enan, I'm going to let you go next. Okay. I always say um, 
I echo this, 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 the same, the sentiment that, that Kara and, and PK um, just said. And I always say, um, caregivers, especially in multiple families where there are um, multiple children involved, talk to each other. Talk to each other about your loved ones and make sure that you have a plan in place. Um, I know we didn't, we probably didn't get a chance to, to talk about that, but one of the many issues that I have seen in hospice is when we come to that place of um, talking about DNR, there's always, there can be a lot of um, issues when there are multiple children involved. So please, 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 please get together and make sure that there are advanced directives in place before it's too late and talk to each other and put a plan in place. And also, be your doctor. Go to your doctor. Don't be afraid. And hospice is not a bad word. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. That is not a bad word. Not a four-letter word, right? Not hospice. No, it so. is awesome. not. It's quality awesome. of life. Quality at the end of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Enan. And Quinna. Well, I couldn't agree more with um, the rest of the group on this call, but I would like to say focus on empowerment. Um, no matter what the person that you're caring for is living with, there are ways to help them be empowered in their own life and in their own caregiving adventure. Um, if Someone you're caring for has never eaten with their hands, but they're really struggling um, to use a fork at this time. Finger foods allow them to be autonomous and to continue to feed themselves. We all want to feel like we are useful and involved in our own lives. And there's so many ways to do that. And it could be little tiny wins throughout the day, but that goes so far um, just for our own life satisfaction, no matter where we are. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, we have one caller, one more call that we'll take, and the last four numbers are 3570. So 3570, if you can press 1 and ask your question, and just let us know if it's someone in particular or just a general question. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, awesome. Hi, my name is Yvette. I'm calling from Metro Atlanta area. And um, it's just a specific question, but my granddad suffered from dementia. And now that I'm watching my, my dad, his son, get older, and I'm, I'm wondering, like, what are the chances of, of my grandfather's children, my father, his other siblings, developing dementia? And is there anything that, that, that he can be doing or that all of us can do to prevent it? Okay. PK. Sure, I'm happy to get get started. Um, and I can hear the concern in your voice. Um, heredity is a component um, with some forms of dementia, not all. I will say that the earlier onset uh, forms of uh, dementia have a higher 
um, heredity rate, and it sounds to me like what you're talking about here, and even that isn't huge, 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 but it sounds to me like you're talking about a later process. So, you know, not not so much. Um, I will say, too, that um, the earlier you can uh, have people assess, as we've talked all through this hour, uh, the better off everybody is so that we have a level playing field. Um, and uh, finally, I think, too, that when we're concerned about our loved one, uh, is to have those conversations um, and have them openly and honestly uh, without pointing fingers. It's not hmm. behaviors that you are seeing happen particularly. It's concern that you have. Um, and that's a different way of looking at things than, well, you keep forgetting your car keys, and now we're kind of worried about, or um, you've repeated yourself four or five times, and I really think maybe we need to go see a doctor. Everybody needs to get one of these screenings in advance, and we all need to talk about it. So let's um, let's go ahead and get those things done. Is there anything in particular that's worrying you about all of this? Well, it's not so much in that I watched, and I'm not sure that it is outside of what's normal. But um, it's it's a concern because I I watched how my grandfather was affected and watched how he declined, and 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 I'm concerned. You know, my dad is he's um, he's 80 years old now, which isn't terribly old. He's active, but it, it, it's just, just in the back of my head because he's he has always been so fiercely independent, and I just don't know that he would be willing to have any level of support um, if that time were to come where he he needed it. You know, sometimes a medical history is a really empowering bit of knowledge. So if we know that there are some genetics involved or potentially, um, lifestyle interventions can go a long way for everyone in the family. Um, really good nutrition, making sure that we balance our numbers, our um, our blood sugar, our blood pressure, making sure that we're being social. Socialization is so key to us as human beings in general, and then that we're being physically active. And that doesn't have to be running a marathon. That can mean gardening, but just moving, um, whatever it takes. Um, all of those things that probably our grandmother told us to do, um, we should all be doing to make sure that we have successful aging. Absolutely. Thanks. Okay, I'm sorry. PK, go ahead. Just one one quick thing, Yvette. Um, also, well, and I lost my train of thought, um, so there it went. It was a good one, too. Probably one of my better ones. <laughs> the whole hour could have been taken care of for that one comment I was just about to make. Um, I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah, but it, it, no, no, it's well, completely. if it comes back as, as we get ready to wrap up, we'll have you to make sure you add that in. But thank you so much for the question. It was a great question. I hope that was helpful for you and your family. Well, thank you so much. 
You're welcome. All right, so we are we've come down to the last few minutes here. So I'm just going to ask each of you all to share your contact information. If there's just a burning resource you recommend that they have, that you could share that as well. If there's a website, et cetera, they need to follow, um, please share that as well. So, um, Enan, I'm going to ask you to go first if you want to share your contact information and any specials you think our listeners should have. Okay, so... We have, uh, actually, Sovereign has just rebranded, and we have a brand-new website. It's www.sovereignhospiceinc.com. And um, uh, to reach us, our number is 470-223-3773. And we are available. We are around the clock 24-7. And we are located in Sandy Springs, Georgia. All right, thank you. All right, Kara? I would say please visit our website, empowerline.org. There are great resources, including information about hospice, events like um, Second Wind Dreams, virtual dementia tours, a lot of resources for caregivers uh, and specific conditions that they're, that they're um, helping people with. And to call us for services, to speak with one of our Aging and Disability Resource Connection Counselors, please call 404-463-3333. Leave a message, and in a couple, we will call back. It might take us a few days, but we will call you back. Wonderful. Thank you. PK? Yes. Um, <clears throat> for our previous call, the um, underlying question from several callers has been, when do you know it's time? Um, and that's kind of a <clears throat> constant thing with, with family members. And I'd like to recommend families that you know it's time to really take, a more, initi- take more initiative when the person's quality of life is so impaired that they're not able to function in the way they normally did. That should be the watchword right there. Okay, so now I got that off my chest. Um, <laughs> we are, <laughs> our website is Second Wind, just spell out secondwind.org. But I got to tell you something exciting. We have a conference coming up on May the 11th. It's free. We want family caregivers to come. And those awesome. of you in Dallas and Chicago, um, we have a virtual uh, opportunity to be uh, involved in it. We're going to be making a dream come. So woman always dreamed of graduating from high school and we're going to make that happen for her and um, Uh so we're just going to have have a great time so we hope that you'll go to our website you'll sign up for the conference and um, Gwyneth I can't think of would you take it from here I I will Uh, so it is our 25th anniversary and every month throughout the year we will be putting on virtual dementia tours and open houses so that we can really connect with our community. Um, so those are in person, but each quarter this year we are also offering in partnership with AARP Georgia the caregiver roundtables. We have a topic, we have some basic questions, and then I just facilitate. It really is about the caregivers and um, the information that they share. If you are interested in the caregiver roundtables, um, I'm going to give you my email address. It is Gwyneth, G-W-E-N-Y-T-H, 
at secondwind.org or my phone number 470-242-0908 and I will be very happy to connect you with the registration for those. They are complimentary and our next one is April the 28th. We are talking about telehealth, telemedicine Mm. and how that can support the family caregiver. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you all so much. This has been truly an empowering hour. We have filled this hour up with so much great information, great callers to ask awesome questions, and I feel that whoever listened today was was filled and who will listen in the future will be filled as well. And so I want to thank each of my guests so very much for coming today. I really appreciate you all being here and your support. And so again, the Empowerment Hour is presented by Call for Caring, Inc. Our organization supports caregivers through resources like the podcast, the expo, upcoming courses, grants. And so we want you to stay connected with us through the podcast, um, but also you can stay connected through our website at callforcaring.org where you can learn information. You can certainly donate to our cause. Um, Today's episode can be heard on uptomeradio.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and in the future, viewed on YouTube via the Call for Caring channel. So, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for our listeners and our guests who called in um, and asked questions. So we hope that today's episode of Empowerment Hour has met our goal to educate elevate and empower caregivers during their caregiver journey. Thank you.